Let's all stand together as we sing. Hallelujah In the presence of my enemies I raise a hallelujah Louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah My weapon is a melody Hallelujah Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing In the middle of a storm Louder and louder Gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. Praise a hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of a storm. Louder and louder. Gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is The king is alive. 
you that we can gather here in your presence. We recognize you're here with us. We recognize the joy that it is to be accompanied by our risen Savior here and now. Father, press deep into our hearts and our souls just the magnitude of being called by name, being adopted into this kingdom, having a hope set before us that this life we live is a life on purpose and intentional and moving toward you and your glory. And so, Father, I pray that as we look into your word, as we hear from you, that you would move us, move our hearts, move our minds, move our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. You can be seated. So that since this is a new way for us to do Easter, we don't have the big screens and everything, I noticed that none of you realized that the songs were in here. You're like, oh, wow, okay. I saw a couple of you on the outskirts. I saw Keaton over there. So... The, <laughs> it was very funny. Everyone's standing around going, okay, these are really pretty songs I'm listening to. Um, so there they are. And then the scripture verse is in there as well. Um, and don't worry, I'll, it'll all make sense here, but um, I didn't get confused. I know it's the Palm Sunday scripture, but there's a reason for that. Um, so let's start with this. Let's get the important stuff out of the way. Uh, we have just become a family since this whole pandemic of looking for good shows. Trust me, this all ties into the message. Um, and so there's these great shows out there. And so I want to get some feedback. This isn't the, the usual crowd we're used to that we'll get at the 10 a.m. But I know that since you woke up early, that you're detailed. And so I need a good show or series that's on TV right now that I need to watch. So what would you tell someone? Because I know you've been asked this question, and then they throw one out. Which one is it? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Funny you should mention that. What else? What? Oh, I thought you had one, Liam. Who else? All right, so Ted Lasso wins, the, wins, the, wins it. Anything else, though? Because I've seen it two times through. <laughs> Nothing else? Oh, just fire away. You don't need to raise your hand. This isn't school. Mark Rober. So I just. Mythbusters. I'm a big fan of that one. Mark Rober. R O B E R. That one won't do me any good here, but that's that's good. Mark Rober. Okay, I need two more. Anybody else? Heartland. What's that about? See, Marlboro Man? That's for you. Okay, one more. Is that all we got? There's a lot out there. See, this is why my son's getting into screenwriting. I guess there's not enough shows. Life in... Oh, dude, you just... I don't think I can handle that one. It's a little rough, isn't it? A little emotional breaking in half. Oh, that's not the one I'm thinking of then. Liam, you got another one. That is... Yeah, if you're a Star Wars nerd like me, Mandalorian. That's okay. One division's better. So, so where I'm going with this is that my good friend, uh, I had a couple good friends say this, you got to watch Ted Lasso. You got to watch Ted Lasso, right? I did. 
And I thought I knew what it was going to be. The reason I didn't watch it because I thought it was this goofy slapstick comedy. And I'm thinking, I don't think I could really invest because there's only so much time to watch TV. And, um, and it was amazing. It's not what you think it is, right? And it was, it's, as so many people have said, it's what's needed right now. And there's this one scene I want to bring up that I think fits perfect for what happened when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on the donkey. Um, so if you haven't seen the show, Ted Lasso is an American football coach that goes to Europe to be a European football coach, which means soccer. And he's a part of a team that is horrible. So think of a team that never wins and it's gone on for decades. And imagine that everybody's really passionate about this particular sport. And that's Richmond. That's the team that he's the coach of. And so he's in this pub, and it's a pub that's kind of like the center for Richmond. I guess, I don't know if this is accurate, but um, from what I've been told, premierships, the soccer teams have their own, like, pubs. And if you go there, you better be a fan. So, for example, it would be like there are certain Dodger pubs. You go there, you're a Dodger fan, everybody knows it. And this is where we hang out. This is where we drink, scream, and cry because Richmond is always going to lose. And so the coach comes in, and he's this very upbeat, positive-thinking guy, and he's talking about... This, this, this place needs some hope. And the lady behind the bar goes, oh, you've been here long enough, haven't you? I don't know how good that accent is. But she says, it's the hope that kills. And that was such a powerful statement. And I think such a powerful statement for this past year. And I think it's something that was happening when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on this donkey. Because when we talk about him entering in as the king, we talk about all the people that came out. But there were plenty of people that didn't come out. There were plenty of people that didn't go out to see this because they just gave up hope. They'd been waiting for centuries for this Messiah. And during this time, during this pandemic, I've seen it happen time and time again with many of my friends. People that I'm close with who've just drifted in their faith, walked away. Just stop being in the, the rhythm of walking with Jesus, walking with others that are walking with Jesus. And I had a really, I had a, this wasn't planned. I knew what I was going to share for a while, but a really dear friend who's a pastor. Uh, he left his church. Um, it wasn't a great situation when he left. And when we talked, uh, I said, so are you getting to the place where you can get back to church? He's like, Never. Oh, so you're really anti-church then? He goes, no, I just don't have any faith. I was like, are you serious? I mean, this is one of my dear friends. And to see that, it just reconfirmed what I already thought is happening, not only here, but for the people watching online and for the people in our community, they've just kind of lost hope. They've lost faith. They, they feel like it's just too hard to hope anymore. And I don't know when Jesus entered in, there were people lined up and the people that weren't, they all have a different place in life. It's understandable. Some people might've slept in. Some people were up in the front and they were there, but they were just there because it was the thing to do. Or maybe they saw something big happening. I mean, we know what happens on Easter, right? Sometimes we come, we feel like we have to, we have to check it off the list, but we're like, I'm here, but I'm not here. I don't have this hope. I'm just going through the motions. 
And there's some people that are so excited. I've run into those as well. They're just like, I'm going to the front row. Don't you see what's happening? But you look around and the people aren't following you there. They're not experiencing what you're experiencing. So I want us to step back this morning. And I want us to, to give our best effort to look at this with new eyes. And in context of with what's happening, as I was thinking about this message, I thought of... Um, Billy Graham, if you don't know who he is, he was an evangelist, passed away fairly recently. And he used to work for Youth for Christ, and they would do these uh, big rallies for youth. And he had a, a good friend who he walked with, and this good friend walked away from the faith. And he was one of the evangelists with them. They would go together. They were like a team. I, re I just realized now I'm comparing myself with Billy Graham I'm not meaning to do that. Um, but they were really close. And Charles Templeton, although everybody called him Chuck, he, he decided, I can't do this anymore. He just lost hope. He lost faith. He lost trust. And I want to read what he wrote about this because he talked about Billy Graham and he said, this is the reason he's such an amazing evangelist. They stayed good friends it's just they drifted apart naturally because of their differences of faith. This is what he said. He said, all our differences came to a head in a discussion which, better than anything I know, explains Billy Graham and his phenomenal success as an evangelist. But Billy, I protested, you can't do that. You don't dare stop thinking about the most important question in life. Do it and you begin to die. It's intellectual suicide. And this is what Billy said. He said, I don't know about anybody else. Actually, I got to do my Billy voice because it puts in context. I don't know about anybody else. But I've decided that that's the path for me. At that moment, their trajectories had been chosen. The road forked and they went in different directions. Hope is a choice. But as we talked about last week, it's a hope that has to be based on evidence. You can't just, like later in the show, Ted Lasso says, I just believe in belief. And it's like, okay, that sounds nice, but that's not me. I can't just, well, I want to believe, so I'm going to believe. I have to have evidence of this. And that's what they were arguing about, the evidence. And Billy reached the point where he said, look, I'm not going to kick the tires anymore. I've, I've, I see this. This is where I stand. But... Chuck, as he said in his own words later on, said, I just needed, I needed all the answers. I needed it all. And I had some, but not enough. I wanted more. And so he felt like he couldn't go forward. So now I want us to step back and take a more detailed look now. And the scripture is in your, in your um, pamphlet. I want to take a more detailed look at this parade. It's like a parade of hope. And so um, to give you some background... The people, the people of Israel were in occupation. Um, I would say it's like Canada coming and taking over, but they're way too nice. So imagine a really brutal dictatorship, a brutal um, where a Caesar is in charge and they rule with power. This is my background music. It's all planned. <laughs> it all goes with the message. You'll see how it all ties together here shortly. And so um, 
Are they really, they're really just parked right there. <laughs> oh, man. Might have to send some, uh, some, some meat, some beef out there to go take care of business. So uh, they're occupied um, by Rome. And they've been waiting centuries for a Messiah. In fact, uh, Zechariah said this. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion, talking to the people of Israel. Written way before this time. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey on a colt. The foal of a donkey. So they've been waiting for this and waiting for this and waiting for this. And others had stood up and said, I'm the Messiah, but they weren't. And so this moment comes when Jesus tells his disciples, okay, I want you, as it says here in Matthew 21, I want you to get me a donkey. The disciples went and did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They led the donkey and the colt out, laid some of their clothes on them, and Jesus mounted. Nearly all the people in the crowd threw their garments down on the road, giving him a royal welcome. Others cut branches from the trees and threw them down as a welcome mat. Crowds went ahead and crowds followed, all of them calling out, Hosanna to David's son. Blessed is he who comes in God's name, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so you can feel this excitement. And on Easter, typically, it's very easy for us as, as pastors to go, come on, he is risen. And we pump everybody up. Like, yeah. And so you can just imagine people going, there he is. Oh, and they're pumping each other up. Have you ever been in a crowd where you're getting all excited and you really don't know why? And so you can just feel that coming. Some people get it. They're like, this is the Messiah. And I believe. And there's others like, oh, could it be? Hey. And then you have people that just, they're, they're still working. They're, they're not coming out. Or you have other people that just slept in, like, uh, I don't believe this. In fact, I think we can say with that crowd and this crowd that we could divide us up into different categories. You have those that believe. For them, hope has not died. And so they believe that this Jesus is the king who has come. And then you have the group of people that did believe, but they've waited too long. And they're like, look, I just can't keep waiting. Richmond's never going to win. And the Messiah's never going to come. And so they've just, just kind of drifted. And then you have others, I believe, that they never believed. They're like, I've heard this. It's religious stuff. I'm not really not into this. And then you have others that hope, but in something else. And so this is all happening, and some experience it, and some don't. And that's what it can be like for Easter. That's what it can be like for Resurrection Sunday. That's what it can be like for tomorrow, when everybody goes back to the normal rhythm of life, and some are in that rhythm right now. But I want, us, I want all of us to step back and think, what do you believe? Where is your hope? And to be honest about it. Just be honest with what's really going on in your faith, even if you don't have one. So this, this parade happens and Jesus enters in, but it doesn't go like many of the people there think it's going to go. Jesus has said, look, I am going 
to be killed. I will rise again three days. But nobody really believes that part. Maybe it's a metaphor. Maybe it's something else. But a week later from this parade, Jesus is up on a cross, dying. How do you think the attitude of hope was for everybody at that point? Not very high. In fact, I just saw, um, I've never seen the show. I think it was the Chosen show or one of the Christian shows. And I think it was Mary they were showing because it was just a little clip and a trailer. And she's like, I know he's going to rise. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think that's biblically accurate. (laughs) Because when they came out, they were crying. And at the tomb, there wasn't a big celebration around it. Like, okay, guys, it's going to go down. Here it is. There was nobody there. (laughs) Exactly. There was no countdown. And so you've got a bunch of Marys, because everybody was named Mary. And the ladies came, but they came to dress the dead body. They didn't come to hug the risen Lord, because they had lost hope as well. And it's understandable, isn't it? Like, it was supposed to go this way. What's going on? I mean, even the fact that there's a tomb shows you at least what the authorities believed. I mean, isn't this understandable? I mean, Peter, I will never forsake you. I'll never leave. Let's look at him specifically. He just went back to fishing. And so the time comes when the the women go out. And they see the tomb empty, and Peter and and John, they run there because there's a sliver of hope. And when they run there, and John's the one that's describing this scene, so I love the way he portrays himself. He says he got there first, which means he considers himself very fast. And then Peter goes in, but it says that John just stays kind of outside. He stayed outside until Peter went in, and then he went in. Should I dare hope? Have you experienced that before? You're like, I want this to be, but could this really happen? I mean, I'm looking at my firstborn son, and I remember when he was born. I'm like, is this really going to happen? Because I've heard these stories of your child being born. Is this really going to happen? Because I have a whole lot of hope that this is going to be a reality. And so John enters in, and then he runs back. And then Mary, not Mary, Jesus' mom, but the other Mary, see, I'm not going to go through all the Marys. I don't want to confuse you. So Mary sees Jesus risen, though, and she's like, oh, my gosh. And he goes, now go tell the disciples. So she sprints, sprints back, tells them. You'd think they'd go, yeah. They didn't believe him. <laughs> they didn't believe her. It's, it's the hope. Sometimes it's just too hard to keep it going. And so Jesus then shows himself to all the disciples except for Thomas. I don't know what he was doing, off running an errand. He comes back twice. Because they're up in the room hiding. Of course they're hiding. Their leader was just killed. Why wouldn't they be next? If they're going to take him out, they're going to take us out. So they're up there. They're not hopeful. They're not thinking, here we go. They're afraid. And so when Jesus appears, he says, peace be with you. What? So, of course, he has to do it again, right? So he comes at a different time. Peace be with you. And he's sitting there talking with him. So these disciples say, we've seen Jesus risen. They start telling people and they tell Thomas. He's risen. And what does Thomas say? He says what we would all say. Guys, even though the evidence seems to be a little overwhelming now, people he's walked with, people he knows, people he knows didn't hope, and now all of a sudden hope, and they give all the descriptions and the details, and now other people are starting to see him. 
He doesn't make this a mystery. It's not like some kind of ghost that floats in and out. Skin, flesh, risen from the dead, conquered death. And Thomas says, I will not believe until I can put my fingers in the nail holes. And so when Jesus does come to Thomas, and he presents himself before him, Thomas says, my Lord. Like it's, it's like, oh, this is really going on. I just think of me in that hospital room watching my son being born. It's that reality of this is really going down. This is really happening. And then Jesus' response, I think, is not only for Thomas, but for us. He says, because you have seen me, you've believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We weren't there. This is supposed to be a difficult decision to believe in the resurrection. But you have to decide, do you choose the verdict of hope? We shared a little bit about this before. We're like a jury. A jury has to make a decision on an action that they were not present to see. Every, around the world, almost every law system is based on something similar to this, where someone that wasn't there has to make a decision and they have to do it based on the evidence. Thomas says, I just, I want to believe, even though all the evidence was overwhelming from the people that he knew and trusted, he couldn't do it. It's realistic, right? And so for us, we're like a jury. We have to do what the judge charges. A judge comes out in the U.S., comes to a uh, civil jury in a civil case and says, based on the preponderance of evidence, you have to make a decision. There is your $100 word right there, preponderance, which means an abundance, overwhelming, you have to make a decision. So God is not expecting us to just hope and hope. But when we look at this, when we look at the reality, if you haven't already looked at the evidence, I encourage you to. And listen to those like Chuck Templeton that say, no, this didn't happen, or I don't believe in this happening. Because this is a big decision. Because when we decide in this, everything changes. I want us to circle back to Chuck Templeton. Because he was interviewed later at the very near the end of his life uh, by a journalist. Because they saw this relationship between him and Billy Graham and thought, this is really an interesting story. One man believed and one didn't. One kept the faith and one did not. And he says this. Um, he, he asked the question to... Chuck Templeton, he says, and how do you assess this Jesus? Meaning after all these years of life, what do you think about Jesus now? He's still not following. He's still not what you would call a Christian. However you define that. It seemed like that this is the writing of the journalist. It seemed like the next logical question, but I wasn't ready for the response it would evoke. Templeton's body language softened. It was as if he suddenly felt relaxed and comfortable in talking about an old and dear friend. His voice, which at times had displayed such a sharp 
an insistent edge and now took on a melancholy and reflective tone. His guard seemingly down, he spoke in an unhurried pace, almost nostalgically, carefully choosing his words as he talked about Jesus. And this is what Templeton said. He said, He was the greatest human being who's ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total and led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. What could one say about him except that this was a form of greatness? The journalist says, I was taken aback. You sound like you really care about him, I said. Well, yes, he's the most important thing in my life. I, I, he stuttered, searching for the right word. I know it may sound strange, but I have to say I adore him. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. Yes, yes, and tough. Just look at Jesus. He castigated people. He was angry. People don't think of him that way, but they don't read the Bible. He had a righteous anger. He cared for the oppressed and exploited. There's no question that he had the highest moral standard, the least duplicity, the greatest compassion of any human being in history. There have been many other wonderful people, but Jesus is Jesus. Uh, but no, he said slowly. He's the most... And he stopped. And then he started again. In my view, he's the most important human being who ever existed. And that's when Templeton uttered the words I never expected to hear from him. And if I may put it this way, he said, and his voice began to crack. I miss him. With that, tears flooded his eyes. He turned his head and looked downward, raising his left hand to shield his face from me. His shoulders bobbed as he wept. Templeton fought to compose himself. I could tell it wasn't like him to lose control in front of a stranger. He sighed deeply, and he wiped away a tear. And after a few more awkward moments, he waved his hand dismissively. Finally, quietly but adamantly, he insisted, enough of that. When I hear him say enough of that, it sounds just like I can imagine someone saying it's the hope that kills. I don't even want to consider that because what if this isn't true? I want you to hold on to the phrase he also said, I miss him. I went through this message because um, I, I used to do this before. I'd go through this message with my friend my pastor friend. And so I went through this message with him. And I couldn't help the entire time thinking, are you, are you, please decide sooner. <laughs> like he's gone through so much trauma. He's such an emotional guy. I'm thinking, okay, the emotions is what's running this. Because he knows. I've walked with him. I've seen him experience the goodness of God. I've seen him see God move in powerful ways. And I wish God would just flash whenever he wanted to but it doesn't work that way. I don't know why God does things the way he does. But I want my friend to come back to him. I want him to believe in belief. 
I don't want him to check his brain in at the door. I don't want him to not use his common sense. I want him to think through who Jesus is and especially the resurrection because that's what sets Jesus apart. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of great teachers. I've seen a lot of great wisdom out there. But Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And there are witnesses upon witnesses who gave up their life, who had the opportunity to live, but would not deny that they saw Jesus rise from the dead. And so they chose instead, take my life. Do you think I'm afraid of death? I've seen death conquered, and I will not deny what I saw. And I wish that I could be there. It'd be so much easier if I could see it. But I've had dramatic experiences with our risen Lord. And then the next day, I seem to go back to doing what I was doing. It's just our nature. It's what we do. I mean, Peter saw Jesus rise. And you know what he did? He saw Jesus. Then he saw him again. And he saw him again. And he went fishing. He went back to his old job. This is normal. It's normal for this to be almost too much to believe. But that same Peter and that same Thomas, they were both killed because they would not deny what they saw. They struggled with hope just like us. But they eventually made a decision to hope because that's what it comes down to, us making a verdict, making a decision. So I want to invite the, the worship team up. And I'd like to invite you to stand if you can or if you're willing, um, however you want to worship. Remember the songs are, are in there. Um, and these songs are songs that focus on hope and this resurrection. As for me, it's been a rough week. Steph asked, are you going to be able to do this? Because this, this has been really rough for me with my friend. But I believe. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He is risen. And that shapes my everyday life. I want you to ask this morning, where are you? Imagine that this is a parade. I'm not going to try to talk you or persuade you or push you into a decision. I just want you to be honest with yourself and say, where am I? Where am I right now in my hope, in my faith? Father, our words are never enough. So I ask that uh, we surrender to you. This entire group, we surrender to you to let you guide and lead us. We ask this in Jesus' name.
child of weakness, watch and pray, finding me Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. all
beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The
So I wasn't planning on closing. Kim was going to close. And then if Kim couldn't close, we had to back up with Ryan. And then I just came in and stole the whole thing. Because as I was in the back, I was thinking about that pub. And I was thinking about all of them in there. Why did they all keep coming together? During this season, so many people have drifted in their faith or struggled with their faith or just sat at any moment. Many of you have just started crying and you don't even know why even you guys I know you can't tell anyone but I know and I think it's because we couldn't be together it's important I think God has designed it that his people would be together because we need each other that's why they went out that's why Jesus said when you go out go in twos like we need each other and especially when it comes to faith like my friend when I talked with him he said I just don't want people coming around me and telling me that they feel bad for me or they feel sorry for me. I'm like, feel sorry for you? I feel sorry for me. Like, you were one of the rocks for me. You were one of the people that, like, and when you're not there, it hurts. And when it comes to us gathering, whether it's on a Sunday morning or for, like, us on a Sunday evening or whether they're in homes, don't think, oh, how's this going to help me? Is this good for me? I want you to think about me. Is it good for me? Is it good for the other people in that home? Is it the people for the, at that church and that other group? Go for them because we're stronger together than apart. That's how God's designed us. And there's something special when we gather to worship. There's something we gather to eat. There's something special when we come to pray. That's how God's designed us. Father, Pull your people together all over, not just in San Clemente and Ladera and Mission Viejo and Dana Point, but all over California, the U.S. and around the world, Lord. We haven't been able to be together. And Father, it's taken its toll. So we turn to you and we ask you to give us the courage to turn to each other and to draw near to each other and to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who has risen. Amen.